Hey there, horror movie fans! Welcome to our first annual Mini Academy Award I'll be your host, Naima Saeed, and tonight we will be countdowning three remarkable in their own way motion pictures of 2019. Of course, staying along the lines of horror. Well, let's begin with our first category, makeup and hairstyling. Now, I know this award is dedicated to the artists behind it all, but we're going to look at it as a whole. Our winner for tonight goes to a story that plays on the idea of good will always triumph evil. As we follow the story of an actor, Rick Dalton, who believes his era is coming to an end, alongside his best friend or stunt double or wing or hype man, Cliff Booth, who is always by his side, even though his own demons lurk behind the lights and glamour of Hollywood at the time. A.K.A. the mysterious overboard death of Natalie Wood that, you know, got wasted away in Hollywood due to the lack of eyewitness account. On the other hand, a side story is present on the creation of the Manson family that were shadows in the overall free-spirited illusion Hollywood presented for itself, which is seen when observing the minimalistic life story of Sharon Tate which was done on purpose. All to bring about the plot twist ending that reverses the true story, well, tragic ending, of Sharon Tate and her friends, while also tying in all the stories present. So, congratulations to Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Any words you'd like to say? Oh, nice. Let me tell you, for a late 1960s timepiece that isn't a horror per se, but has heavy elements of it, whether right in front of you or hidden, it's ironic in itself. Why this award? Let me tell you. I watched this movie in the theaters twice in one week. I'm unsure if it's my love for period pieces or the best revenge porn ever. But Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, and Leonardo DiCaprio just always look so good. Or I'm a cynical person and the ending is just straight up exhilarating. While we all believe and anticipate the Manson family on their way to commit murder at the Tate residence, a detour occurs after a confrontation with Rick Dalton, leading them to change their execution to, well, Rick. I didn't mention this earlier, but most of Rick Dalton's films portrayed in the story are all violence-based, which isn't a shocker. It's written by Tarantino, guys. Come on. So the Manson family looks at it as kill the people who taught you to kill. Honestly, a lot more deeper in meaning than it was given credit for. So when Cliff Booth comes back from his high walk with his dog Brandy and you know, finds the dang hippies in Rick's house. Oof, they will soon regret that. All I can say on the matter is shattered glass, mutilated faces, unpleasant dog attack, an Italian punch. And when Rick, you know, comes out of his depressive oblivion, the blowtorch. 
from the comfort of the theater, knowing I'm not living within the scene, although, you know, others in the world are, as sad as it is to say, this was my favorite scene, hands down. I mean, think about it. We're exiting this era of Hollywood, which is what the film is kind of going towards. And it's like they're still living in this fantasy land. But in reality, during that time, it was switching over. Kind of like how Switch is turn, how Switch, how Rick is turning a new leaf, how society is turning a new leaf, how Hollywood is becoming a new leaf. Yeah, but a little bit more darker in times, if that makes any sense. But to answer your question, even after that whole catastrophe, The main characters came out still looking like they walked out of the fantasy they live in. Hair still intact. (sighs) That was a mouthful. And still doesn't give this movie its full justice. Especially when comparing it to the Tarantino universe and finding the hidden signs and little details hidden in between. And the character beauty of how they presented it. But you know what? It's for another time. And we have to move on to our next award. You know what? I'm going to get right to the point. Best actor in a leading role goes to Joaquin Phoenix for The Joker. There, I said it, and I'm not taking it back. So, fight me. And this is coming from someone who isn't even, you know, really into superheroes and villains and comics and all that jazz. Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever. But I swear to you, sitting in that dark, squared theater watching this, I was mesmerized with him. I felt his pain, his suffering. I embraced myself fully, trying to engulf pure empathy. I was dark when I left, as if the cinematography and dialogue consumed every part of my body and took me a few to recover. But I appreciated it. All this being said, I didn't even mention the couple of immature teenage children in the theater who pretended to make gunshot sounds with their chairs and the surfaces, you know, trying to scare all of my friends, which, you know, they had the right to be scared. But still, I think the most fascinating part was leaving. I saw multiple people doing the infamous dance sequence, which tells me even if they didn't like or understand the beauty of the film, they took something away from it. So a quick synopsis before we continue, especially those who have yet to see the film, um, go watch it. So, and I quote, In Gotham's fractured society, a young man longs to be a stand-up comic, but finds the joke is always on him. Caught in a cycle of apathy, cruelty, and ultimately betrayal, the comedian makes one bad decision after another, bringing about a chain of escalating events. Also to mention, extremely medicated, well, in the beginning, technically, due to his uncontrollable laughing disorder, gets ridiculed by kids, adults, and his own favorite talk show host. And when acknowledged, he is tormented by them. Such an iconic take on a story that wants you to keep on smiling. Heavily political in its own lens, starting with the movement he created after killing the you know, the two bank-rich jerks on the subway, ultimately leading to the citizens of Gotham to blame all their problems on the wealthy folks. All Arthur wanted was to be acknowledged as an individual who deserves not even... 
It doesn't even deserve acceptance. But all he wants is that recognition of being, well, what we all do. And frankly, what we all need. That's our nature. This gives society a big slap on the face and probably why most critics hated the film. But then again, critics hate everything. You see this transpire when Arthur gets a chance to be a guest on the Murray Franklin show. His main concern was never the revolution he made, but it's finally noticed, seen. How this relates to us, normal everyday people, we are being ignored in life, thrown on the back burner and are suffering through this neglect on our own, which leads to heinous crimes being committed, a facade people put to believe they are regaining power back from an already broken and or corrupt structure. So when Arthur admits to the killing of the two bankers on the show and ultimately shoots Murray point blank after pouring his heart out to him, but lastly saying, you don't notice me. Have you seen what it's like out there? Which ironically helps him become a known figure who is extremely noticed by all, especially his following writers. This isn't uncommon, especially if related back to many historical moments, one being back in Athenian times when looking at governments set up. Yes, I'm taking a classical tragedies class as we speak, you know, dealing with democracy, importance of equality, yes. You see, there is no true protagonist in this film. Everyone is flawed, which leads to their demise or success. Now, of course, I'll briefly touch on two iconic characters within the film. Arthur's mother, Penny, who was a neglectful mother who believes she wasn't-ish, and has her own mental instabilities that we finally get con confirmation on the night before her death. All this being said, she was the only family Arthur had left, even though his close relationship with his social worker, an imaginative one with his next-door neighbor, and a politician named Thomas Wayne, who Arthur believes is his father after he finds out from Penny. His mother has been writing letters to him and at one point saw your son. In reality, Penny and Thomas never had a relationship, even though they did work together. And we learn this all after Thomas and Arthur's interaction. And while Penny is crazy, or so, you know, she leads us to believe, or maybe she did all this, the lies, the facade, thinking it would inevitably become reality. I get it. She's desperate. He's rich. But Arthur was abused as a child and adopted. Oof, it's a doozy. But not to the point of unbelievability especially in our society today. And let me be straight, this movie was set in the early 80s. All in all, we create the monsters before us. Not all the time, but we do. Just look at most serial killers, life for instance. But people are under the impression that this type of hyperviolence being present only exacerbate the issue in real life. But did you ever think maybe by addressing these societal and individual faults, we could possibly save it from the outcome presented to us? Once again, not 100%, but life is not 100%. So stop being snowflakes, grow up and realize we don't live in a fantasy land. It's as if we learn in the opposite realm in the film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is showing us 
what we don't want to see so we can fix it before it's completely out of our hands. So stop, think, reflect. By you pushing away this film's dark portrayal of alienation and mental health, you are no better than the wealthy in this film who believe that regular people don't deserve any representation in their own basic rights. Last comment on the Joker. I felt this tangent was needed and I could sit here and analyze every critical moment and motif present, but I feel content for now. Arthur is the embodiment of the unseen personnel, one that if he were to die on the street, no one would notice him among the litter. He's the product of a failed system that we watch deteriorate into the evil he becomes, per se. Imagine feeling you have no purpose on this earth. And my favorite, most ironic line said, I hope my death makes more sense than my life. Don't worry, Arthur. You'll always be a good comedian in my eyes. And thank God, Joaquin, you gained all your weight back. I mean, method acting is wonderful and all, but I got worried. And rest in peace to Heath Ledger, an icon to, to the Joker in his own way. Although sometimes darkness is too powerful, and that is why, for this sake, it is a horror film. And our last award for the night goes to the most incredibly terrible motion picture film of 2019 cats and yes cats is a horror film due to how terrifying every scene was i mean come on i can't even fully blame the actors i mean i, I blame them just enough but look i'm also taking an american broadway musical history class and although cats is a significant musical and widely known many theater folks hate it and then this thing came out Andrew Lloyd Webber would have cried. Legit, the butt of every joke in my class. Like, who lied to your face? Who hated you so much that you were able to convince... To, to think... Just to think this was okay. I mean, I didn't even say good. I said okay. You know, my Oscar special tonight is supposed to be about rejoicing in the Eiffel work of film. So I'll save my cat's discussion for a rantful time. It deserves its own ridicule separately. But final note, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's show. Special congrats to my two winners. Although there were plenty of others that deserve praise, but, you know, they're not whores. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. You've been a wonderful audience. <laughs> Ciao now.